This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 402. Welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman, and I'm joined this evening. Yes, we're doing an evening recording of the show here. Uh, I got Mr. Graybeard himself, <laughs> Matthew Marister. Yeah, thanks for waiting for me. Uh, if you guys were waiting to, to hear the podcast, it's late. It's my fault, so I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> well, I could have done it with uh, Jacob, but... Uh, I, I wanted to have you involved in this episode, hmm. uh, partly Thank because you. you have a, a you know you have a little bit of a different perspective, uh, being in a, in a completely different part of the country as well. Like culturally and, and societally, you know things can be you know, there can be some different nuances. Jacob and I are much more closely aligned in, in probably some of that. So this evening's episode is called "Defending Yourself During." Hold on. Defending yourself. What was it again? Defending yourself during a society or during civil civil, civil unrest. <laughs> wow. I can't get can't get it. I'm the one that wrote the title and I can't even keep it straight. Defending yourself during civil unrest or societal collapse or it could be one of the same two. Uh, one leading to the other. Of course, that's it. That's the topic tonight. It actually comes from a question from a viewer slash listener of the podcast. Uh, and I appreciate him for taking the moment to write in and, and make the suggestion. And I told him, hey, let, I'll talk it over with the, with the guys and see if, uh, if we want to make this an episode content. And it is. Here we are. But today's episode is con... Jeez, I'm having a hard time talking. It's Friday. I always make the excuse on Shop Talks, you know, it's Monday and I can't talk and communicate on Mondays, and but Friday's the end of the week and your brain shut off, right? <laughs> so anyway, uh, this episode is brought to you and sponsored by ourselves <laughs> at carry.com. We have the Home Defense Conference going on right now this week. Uh, there's still time to catch uh, the like three hours of free content available throughout the Home Defense Conference. And what we're doing is we're sharing with anybody. Anybody that goes to the site, goes to the page and registers, signs up, you'll get free access throughout the uh, next six, well, it's really the next, today's day two. So you got still uh, four days left, but you got 48 hours per day that these videos are released to watch them. So as of right now, yesterday's videos are still available. They're still up for a little bit longer. Today's videos that were released will be up through tomorrow and so on and so forth. Uh, so over three hours of free content about home defense uh, issues and concepts and fundamentals and all kinds of stuff, equipment and gear choices, plus some really cool scenarios uh, that we filmed in in these home settings as well. Uh, with with uh, and we base those off of real life situations that have occurred. We pulled them right from news stories and, and actually some, I think almost all of those we've covered uh, on the podcast as justified save type stories. So you're going to want to catch the Home Defense Conference. You're maybe sitting around, uh, watching a little bit more TV or whatever than you normally uh, do due to uh, you know, being quarantined or whatever we're calling it these days. So make sure you head on over to concealedcarry.com forward slash HDC. That is HDC, like Home Defense Conference. All right, concealedcarry.com forward slash HDC. And make sure that you don't miss any of this great content. All right? Be the, well, as far as I know, the last time we throw it out there for free. Now, you'll have the opportunity to get permanent access to that content and to even uh, purchase the full eight-hour video series All right, at a, very, at a discounted rate, uh, substantially so. All right? So this is a three-DVD set. If you buy the actual DVDs, of this video course it's three dvds and they're the high like high capacity or whatever dvds <laughs> so uh like each dvd is almost three hours long really really yeah. a, a lot of content in this home defense course we call it complete home defense but 
But even if you're not going to buy or you've already bought it, well, it's a great opportunity to watch these free videos. Again, concealedcarry.com forward slash HDC. So let's get into the topic. And here, actually, we'll start with a question. I'll read the question that we received from uh, a listener slash uh, viewer. I'm not sure if he follows us more on the video side or on the podcast audio side, but he, he wrote in and asked this. How do the rules of engagement change in terms of self-defense in this COVID era or if things get worse and, and social structures begin to break down? Then he follows it up with a, a for instance. For instance, you guys have always preached that guns are not used to protect property. We have been, I think, pretty consistent on that. But what about when that property is key to survival in such uncertain times? What if someone is stealing your family's food and water supply when the store shelves are bare? So, really interesting question to write in with. Uh, and I, I thought, you know, this is a perfect time. This is a perfect opportunity to discuss these concepts. So what we're going to do is today we're going to talk about the tactical and <clears throat> potential legal implications of these kind of situations. We're talking about civil unrest and or social uh, breakdown, you know, societal breakdown, a collapse of life as we know it. You know, our lives have been rudely, <laughs> you know, uh, upheaved with this whole COVID-19 business. But COVID-19 or not, put that aside, uh, this is a topic that I think can apply uh, rather broadly because <clears throat> there's plenty of real-world examples of things happening that were, for at least on a temporary basis, thankfully up till now, you know, we fortunately haven't had anything too crazy, at least since Civil War, probably. But uh, uh, with uh, things like the LA riots, uh, riots that occurred back in the 60s with the civil rights movement. Uh, also, you know, things like natural disasters, the Hurricane Katrina, and, and other type of situations like that, where temporarily during the course of that emergency or that disaster, uh, things were really thrown into a state of unrest. You get a bunch of people that get a little bit out of control. I mean, there's, there's not enough cops out there to keep everything under control so it is possible and we've seen it happen and in some cases we've seen <clears throat> politicians really overstep uh think you know even the constitution i would say you know it's it, referring to the hurricane katrina instance right where guns were actually confiscated from people uh, because the mayor was afraid that you know people had guns were gonna i don't know shoot up the town or whatever crazy crazy stuff right uh and so you know then you might be left potentially defenseless if that was that was you having you know, something like weapons removed from you or something anyway crazy stuff all right uh but i think uh you know we're going to use our imaginations a little bit here but things can get out of hand relatively quickly you know with the right conditions all you know kind of the stars aligning so to speak so what you know where do where 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 do you start with this matthew like what's your first thoughts and we say you know what how, this is interesting how this guy writes this in fact i i, I kind of feel like he's probably former military he says the rules of engagement change right when uh societal uh breakdowns occur right and so then what do you say about, I mean, where do we start with talking about people stealing stuff like food or, and water? It, this kind of goes back to, you know, there's there's a lot of, uh, and I think a lot of it's kind of somewhat myth-based. There's probably some truth as well. Uh, so we got Andrew Branca, who's watching tonight as well, so he, he might be able to throw some uh, some shed some light on this as well. Yeah. But uh, So we'll watch your comments, uh, uh, Andrew, but... Uh, but, you know, some of this could go back to, like, the Old West. You know, you hear stories of uh, guys that st stole cattle or, or horses or something. And, you know, I was you know, that was a, a potential punishment. It was death. You know, you're, we're going to hang you because this is my livelihood or that horse is, my, you know, my survival because I can't survive if I don't have my horse. 
or whatever, right? You know, so so there's kind of that attitude, and I think that still kind of exists uh, in some people's minds today. But we're, this is not the wild, wild west. <laughs> we are a land of law and order. Uh, agree or disagree with the law? The law is the law, right? We're always welcome to challenge the law, but the law is the law. So, Matthew, you know, where, where do you want to start with this? I guess I, I would start by saying, um, you know, civilians, we we don't really have rules of engagement. We're, we're restrained by the law, right? And so we have to look at it as not like um, rules of engagement, but what can we do within the legal framework of what we're uh, legally allowed to do as far as using deadly force or defensive force uh, that could cause death or serious bodily injury. And I think, I, I think it's safe to say that even in a, in a time of civil unrest, um, the, the laws that govern what you can and can't do based in your state, you know, whether you have a duty to retreat or, or whatever it might be, um, those don't change. Right. Like, so the the use of force itself still needs to be legally justified um, because uh, they're not going to give you a free pass just because there's pandemonium to start killing people and say, hey, well, I'm going to claim make a self-defense claim. And under normal circumstances, it wouldn't fit. But because there's looting, uh, we're going to let you go. I I, I don't see that that um, is going to be a viable way to go about in court. So I would say to, to understand that the laws might not change. Um, but you know, part of that is the reasonableness in, in, in the totality of everything that's going on. So I, I, I think, um, the difference between defending mere property, you know, like, uh, you have a patio set and somebody takes your chair and you shoot them, right? Like that'd obviously be wrong. Um, if there's no food and in, in, there's complete civil unrest, it's like Mad Max, Thunderdome type stuff out there. Um, and what I would say is try to try to um, think of it as these are necessary for my my survival. So I'm not going to leave them in my outhouse that's not attached to my property that's, you know, back in a shed. I'm going to bring them into my home because they're a necessity. And now I have some sort of legal, um, you know, protection as far as I can say, I'm not really defending a, a jerry can of water. I'm defending my family's safety inside the home with my jerry can of water that provides sustenance in, in that way. So I think that might be uh, a way that you could look at it uh, a little bit more clearly, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, some comments uh, from Andrew Branca, uh, who, again, is viewing this uh, with us live tonight. Uh, it, one of the things he throws out is the goal is to take property out of the equation. And he also points out that uh, it's probably pretty difficult for someone to steal my family's food or water without having to threat, threaten me personally. Uh, and that was actually kind of where my thoughts went first as well, uh, to, to the point, you know, of our viewer listener question saying, what about when someone's trying to steal your family's food and water? Well, my food and water supply is in my home and we're also hunkered down. So we're in the home basically 24 seven now. So it's gonna be pretty hard to come into my home and take that stuff without taking it by force. And you start using force. I mean, number one, you break into my home and especially start trying to forcefully take, you know, use force to to then take that stuff. Well, yeah, it's going to get ugly really fast. So the point is, is uh, I think Andrew is correct in this, that, that a lot of times people think in terms of I'm trying to defend my property. But but again, the, the, the mindset, I think, and this is really key, the mindset that's, that should be present in each of us is that my number one concern is the health and safety of myself and my loved ones. And, and that is in dang near most every context thrown into jeopardy when someone breaks in, you know, forces their way into my home uh, to do whatever is that they've done, you know, whether it's to hurt me personally directly, that's the goal, or it's to come and take my stuff. I'm here. It's going to be really difficult for that for them to do that, and not and not and for me to not feel like I'm also personally threatened. And there's a great deal of precedent uh, in a lot of cases uh, where 
you know, someone feels threatened by the nature that somebody has taken steps, active steps to break into one's home. Um, so I guess, you know, what I'm trying to make sure I get at is that my focus is, is life and, and, and health of me and my family members. Uh, that is my number one goal to keep that intact, right? I want everybody to be whole and healthy and intact. Uh, somebody puts that in jeopardy, they're probably going to find some holes in them. So, uh, food and water. Uh, yeah, I mean, it'd be pretty bad, obviously to lose some of that, especially in a critical time. Um, so again, I would be taking active steps to harden and protect my, my home and my property to make it difficult for people to get to that, to whatever it is on my home or or my property or within my home. And so, you know, if I make things harder to get at, then it's going to take greater effort for them to break through it. And in so doing, again, it's going to be fairly apparent to me that they are willing to go to extreme measures uh, to to come and get my stuff. So chances are it's going to be a violent encounter, right? So again, I'm going to position my – I'm going to take steps. You know, the, here's the thing. People think this, – this is where – the law and tactics often, uh, it doesn't always, but sometimes the law and tactics align, right? If I approach things purely from a tactical standpoint, tactics means I'm going to employ the best tactics, right? The best, uh, uh, you know, whether it's movements, whether it's positions, whether it's cover, uh, whatever it is, that maximizes my chances for success and success is that me and my loved ones walk away in one piece right well in most contexts me getting the family securing the family kind of hunkering down right you know having a safe room or or something like that where where we can get consolidated defended where it, you know I, i'll tell you I won't give away all the secrets of, of my own home and personal family's uh, uh, defensive plan, but but you know, really, we're going to be hunkered down in a part of the home where, and, and it doesn't matter whether we're upstairs or downstairs. There's a plan for both of that. We got you know two two stories to be concerned with, and it's also possible for the family to be spread out a little bit. But I'll tell you one thing: somebody that's coming in to do harm to us or to take our stuff is going to find it really hard to approach us without being funneled into uh, a relatively tight space, meaning we got hallways and stairwells. So those tactically become really good uh, tools at my disposal to use. Uh, And so the goal here is for me to tactically not going out and, and, and in search of the bad guy, but number one, securing the family arming myself and t- taking up a tactical position, right? And if they come to me, so be it, they're going to lose. I will have the upper hand with the way things are laid out and with what I have prepared, they are going to lose. Now, the moment I go, I can't let them take my stuff. I got to go and put an end to this. I will put myself at greater risk. I will employ weaker tactics because I'll have to expose myself more and it also exposes myself. So not just tactically, but also potentially more, more legally as well. Um, maybe not so much inside the home, but where we get into a lot of trouble is when people start going outside of the, the dwelling and using lethal levels of force. So again, this is to me, this is, this is, this is the mindset. I want to use the best tactics and I want to also be, make sure that I'm complying with the law because I want to have the least amount of trouble with the law as I can. You know, we just had uh, Stan Campbell from CCW safe with our, on our uh, guardian nation live broadcast last night for guardian nation members. And this was a topic that came up in that, right? Uh, The idea of, you know, if you end up firing a shot, you end up shooting someone or taking a life, 
it, it, whether you're justified or not, it's life changing and it's, it's messy and it's going to complicate your life greatly. So I guess where I'm trying to get to again is, as a summary is the smartest tactical plays are also in this case, quite often the best legal ones as well. Meaning that I'm most, I'm most focused on taking up that strongest defensive position where the family is isolated. We call it isolate the family, defend the room. IFDR. That is a concept that's taught in the complete home defense course. I think it's featured in day three or day four video. You're going to see that coming up. And then also today too, in the videos uh, of the home defense conference, uh, I talk about the five fundamentals of um, home defense which is you arm yourself, you evade if you can, you barricade again if you can. You don't have to move through all these one by one by one. It's, it's just a, it's a hierarchy. You can jump from level one to level three or four if you have to, right? You might be in your living room and somebody suddenly kicks open the door and you got to go right to using deadly force because they're coming at you, right? You know, but, but you got to, you, you know, number one, be armed. Number two, evade number three barricade number four contact and we describe this in the video as being two forms this is this this is the point where ideally for i want to make sure i'm contacting 911 but this may be the point too where i'm also having to make contact with that threat in whatever form that is number five we've got to then uh 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 respond uh, to the situation and, and recover from it, right? And so that's going to be how we handle the aftermath, how we deal with law enforcement that arrives and first responders. That's going to be uh, maybe applying immediate medical uh, aid to myself or someone in the home that was potentially injured because quite often in these home invasions, there are injuries that result. So five fundamentals of home defense. That was in today's videos as well. All right, so... I've I've been going for a while here, but but you know make make the smart tactical decisions. Okay, going outside your home to confront somebody breaking in your truck that is not a smart tactical decision. It is also potentially not a smart legal one. You see what I'm getting at? So holding your holding up right, taking position, barricading, all that, having you know your weapons at your disposal, your your defensive weapons. It's a smart tactical and it's a smart legal play in many, 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 many cases. That's the mindset I want our listeners and our viewers to have. Yeah, it, it's an important mindset. And, I, you know, as you're talking, I, I, I was kind of going back in my mind and thinking about, you know, I was an FTO, I was a field training officer for the new cops. And uh, a lot of times what would end up happening if they got into a use of force and it became, you know, a little bit more excessive or they, they started to expand on what they should be doing um, and got kind of out of line. It was because their emotions started getting involved. Right. And so I think what it is, is when we start getting our emotions involved and we say that truck is mine, I'm, I work hard. I'm not going to let somebody break in and steal my pair of Ray-Ban sunglasses or whatever kind of sunglasses you have in there. Now you're emotionally getting involved in something over, you know, some sunglasses or a broken window and you start to make decisions that you normally wouldn't do because you're not thinking prudently. You're not thinking, uh, you, you, you know, uh, as, as far as going through, is this worth it? You're just basing it off of emotion. And when, whenever you make a a judgment or an action based off of emotion or anger, or whatever type of emotion, uh, chances are it's not going to be the right one. And so I think um, try to detach yourself from those emotional things like that. And and if you have stuff in your car that you don't you work hard for and you don't want somebody to take, well, bring them in your home. Don't leave it out in your car. So you have to go and you know and get involved in a potentially deadly incident or or end up in court or whatever it might be just bring that stuff inside and then you don't have to worry about it yep yeah that's 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 the idea right there um gray beard is correct oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah i think uh i think ryan might have just cut off oh you cut off for a little bit yeah, I think something was acting up here on my end, but it looks like it's cleaned up. So 
let's let's kind of shift gears a little bit. Uh, let's uh, we kind of talked about the legal and the some of the tactical stuff here, but uh, let's talk, let's talk in a more broad sense of just overall preparedness, particularly as it relates to to our homes uh, or families or whatever, right? So, you know, looking at the world around us, by the way, I, know I saw someone commented earlier, uh, Ferguson, Missouri. Well, that, that's another great, you know, mm-hmm. modern day example. You know, that just happened, what, 2012 or whenever that was, not, not that long ago. Uh, Ferguson, Missouri, things got really out of hand. It got really bad there really quickly. Uh, and so, you know, again, just no, just more evidence of how civil unrest can, can sometimes happen relatively quickly quickly and unpredictably even sometimes and that all stemmed from from a use of force incident that later was found to be justified uh in the case of a officer involved shooting right just you know so something as simple as that you know that the media and public perception blows out of proportion and that gets the emotions all hyped up and next thing you know you have people uh torching vehicles and businesses and ransacking the place right and and again, putting those community members at, at greater uh, physical risk. So, Matthew, yes, sir. what are some some ideas that you might have for preparing oneself to be uh, able to withstand the storm, if you will, the societal storm that, or it could be a could be an environmental one too, a natural disaster, you know, any of that sort of thing. We want to be as prepared as we can be to, so we're, so we again maximize, and this is a tactical decision in the broad sense, right? Tactical decisions as it relates to how my household and my family is prepared to whether it's food or water or guns and ammo, whatever it is, right? So, so what, what, what thoughts do you have on that? Yeah. Actually, uh, Jacob and I talked a little bit about this. We touched on it a little bit about, um, you know, what do you do as far as um, situations like this, like getting into your home and what are the things now that, you know, your home and and, uh, there are a lot of home burglaries uh, that occur when people are at work. Well, now everybody's home. So potentially those home burglaries may now become home invasions um, people are more desperate doing, you know, committing crimes at, at, at different rates that maybe they wouldn't normally do that under the circumstances they may, um, you know, so we kind of talked about that, but I think, it, you know, it all starts with preparation as far as not just, you know, we could talk about preparing your doors and your, your, your structure and everything. And I'm sure we'll talk about that, but I, I, I kind of, before any of that happens, I think you have to prepare your mind and prepare kind of like, uh, I call it spiritual fitness. You know, you have to understand what it is, the stakes that you're fighting for and what you're doing um, as far as why do I need to do this? What's not just because somebody on the, on a podcast is telling me to do this, or I have all this gear and I want to be ready and no one's going to break into my door. I think you, you look at it at the simplest level and where's your heart? Like I'm doing this to protect my family. Now, what can I do? What do I have to do to make sure that I can do that? And if it make if it means, you know, I have to uh, sacrifice a couple other things to be able to do th- do this or that, then that's what you do, right? So I think it starts with um, understanding why you're in this, why you're going to even begin fortifying this, why it's important that you get your family involved in uh, some of these protocols of what happens if somebody breaks in or, or why are we doing this? Why are you putting a peephole in or why are you taking during Christmas time? Why do you take the wreath off the door? I put it up there as a decoration. It looks great. Why did you take it off? And I'm like, because it covers up the peephole and I can't see okay, well, you know, like all those little things, um, I think once you get everybody on board, then you can start focusing on those other things and it's not so hard to, uh, you know, there's not that anxiety level that is there. Now I got to do all this stuff. It's kind of already there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the the one way I like like to look at it is, let me look at my home or my property and what, can I do? What do I need to do to make it appear to be a not a non-easy target, right? Because mm-hmm. I mean, that's really what. If you look at interviews that journalists and various people have done with criminals, and particularly like uh, 
thieves, those that have been known to break into, into homes, they want an easy target. They want something they know they can get into and get out of and not get caught. Uh, they can get in and out quickly, uh, not raise a lot of uh, attention or, uh, you know, draw eyes their way or whatever as they're doing any of that. So, and there's a lot of clever ways that, you know, people have been known to do this. I mean, things as simple as, I mean, look at something as, this would be just a simple example. Look at your, at your garage on your home. Uh, I think garage door openers have, you know, the technology has gotten better, but it's still a thing where people can, you know, crack or hack your, your, your garage door opener codes and open your garage door and bam, they're into your garage. And a lot of people don't lock that door between their house and their garage. So that's one little simple thing. And I get it, right? Because it's it's like a convenience thing. Like nobody nobody enjoys having to pull out their keys after they've just driven their car into the garage, close the garage door, and now they gotta open get their keys out so they can unlock the door that goes into the house. But that's a simple, simple thing that can make things a little bit more difficult and a little bit, you know, more dissuade, uh, it can dissuade them a little bit more from picking you as a target. Uh, but uh, as an example, this happened uh, uh, in the Denver area. I remember seeing a, a story about this not that long ago where someone did the very, that very thing. They, they somehow uh, obtained access, access to the garage. They backed up to the garage door with a big box truck, like a moving truck, right? Something that kind of doesn't look that much out of the ordinary. Uh, whether it could be that you're getting a furniture delivery or maybe, okay, you're moving or whatever, right? You know, people see that kind of thing fairly frequently. Backed up right to the garage door with a, with a moving truck, went right in, started just throwing stuff in the back of that truck, and bam, they're out of there, you know, with, mm-hmm. with dang near all of your belongings, you know, in a very, very short uh, matter of time. So just little things like that, you know. Um, even if you've got... Uh, uh, you know, a, a garage and maybe multiple garage doors and spaces to park vehicles. Maybe it's not a bad idea sometimes if you got a spare vehicle to have it be parked out front sometimes and maybe, you know, move it around and take it for some errands and stuff just, just so it shows kind of the, hey, there, there's there's some activity and that maybe some maybe somebody is home, right? That's, that's a big thing. Uh, getting one of these nest, you know, type uh, or ring doorbell camera things. I, I still don't have one, but I, I think about it all the time. Um, you know, where you can see who's coming to your door. Like the big thing, I, the reality is, in my in my self defense plan is is pretty solid in the fact that there's pretty much somebody home at my home all the time. Right? They're like so it, that immediately becomes a a, a big you know, uh, what's the word? Big factor, you know, to someone, you know, if someone was to kind of observe my home for a couple of days, it'd be like, wow, do these people ever leave? You know? Uh, uh, but you know, a common tactic is to go up to doors, ring the doorbell. If nobody answers, nobody comes to the door. Then you start, you know, maybe going around to the backside, maybe looking for a way in. Cause, uh, you're just trying to confirm that there's nobody home. Uh, and if you got one of those, uh, uh, ring or, uh, whatever the those various uh, doorbell camera things are, <laughs> doorbell camera things, super technical here on the podcast. Uh, you know that you can get a notification on your phone on your app and go, hey, somebody rang. Like, who's this dude? Like, what are they doing? You know. Uh, so just maybe good to know, and and you can start uh, taking additional steps necessary to fortify your home. So just all kinds of things. Yeah, the point is you want again. Where I started with this is you want to look at your home and decide. You try to think like a criminal. Try to think, how would I get into this home? What would I do? What would the strategies be that I would use? Because I want to try to get in there and get their stuff, right? And uh, and it especially definitely especially becomes a relevant factor during uh, times of civil unrest for sure. Um, uh, yeah, the world. You know, if it turned into into Mad Max, you know, times. Uh, and people are actually willing to go out of their way to try to strip from people resources like food or water or can tell you what guns and ammo that would be a high priority for some people to 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 come after you start want you know, you want to start talking about uh having decals and stuff on the windows of your vehicles guns you know second amendment stuff when things start getting really bad that's the time you definitely don't want that crap on your on your vehicles. Uh, 
because that's going to be, you know, you look at how desirable right now guns and ammo is. What's happened in the last couple of weeks, things clearing off the shelves, all that. Yeah. If people know you got it, uh, I'll tell you, you know, the next door, right? The social media app for communities. Uh, you know, I'm fairly active in there. I try to be a good neighbor and stuff and help people out. But I'll tell you lately, I've been pretty quiet because people are asking like, you know, about food and water and toilet paper and stuff. And, and I'm just like, I don't want people knowing that I got stuff. I don't want to put a target on my back. Yeah. And that's, you know, I think uh, you make a good point as far as looking at it as kind of a layered defense, right? Like a lot of times we go right to the gun, like, okay, for home defense, what kind of gun do I need? And it's like, hold up, like, let's, let's start at the curb, you know, and let's, let's look and let's start there and say, look at your home. Do you have bushes in front of the windows? Um, Do you have, you know, lights that are out? Are there doors that the locks are broken or, you know, uh, are are those types of things? You have fences that kind of, you know, allow somebody to get back there in your home or, or whatnot. So start at that level, kind of like an onion and look at the layers and kind of get closer and closer. And then once you've made your target, your home, not a favorable target, then you can start talking about, okay, do I want a shotgun or do I want a, you know, a carbine? Do I want a handgun? What am I going to do with fields of fire and all this stuff? Like you can get to that, but don't jump to that first because, you know, I, I, and there's a, there's a mindset and I see it a lot of times on, you know, social media and stuff where it's like, you know, it's a, I'm waiting for somebody to come in my door. And it's like, that's, that's not what you want to be doing. Right. Like, sure. You want to be prepared, Right. But we're not like going to be luring somebody into our home or say, I'll just leave the door open. So they come in. That's that's the wrong mindset. Right. Because um, you never know what's going to happen. So I think uh, make yourself like you said, start at the start at the outside and and, and make yourself uh, an unfavorable target. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, at the same time, like you you don't want to draw. It's, it's kind of like open carry versus concealed carry to an extent, too. You know, like as a person, as an individual out in public, you want to make yourself not look like an easy target. At the same time, you don't want to like really draw a lot of attention to yourself either, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say the same rule can, can really apply to, uh, uh, to, to a home as well. And uh, that you want it to look like it's not an easy target. Um, but making it look too much like a fortress might could almost also work against you in that, wow, they've really got that fortified. There must be a reason, right? Mm -hmm. What they got in there must be really good. So, uh, yeah, there might, you know, I think that's probably a bit of a stretch a little bit in the, in the home context, but, but I kind of try to apply that same sort of thing across uh, the board with, with, with things in my life, you know, try to be sort of the gray man, although it's, I don't know. I'm not always the best uh, with the, you know, I went down to the office today dressed like this, you know, prepared, trained, willing across my shirt, you know, my 5'11 hat. But, you know, I hop in the truck and I'm driving straight to the warehouse and then I'm driving straight home. You know, I, I'm not spending a lot of time in some random uh, public environment where I might want to be a little bit more gray, mm-hmm. like the gray beard. <laughs> <laughs> Matthew. <laughs> Uh, a couple things I want to address. Uh, so Sean uh, brought up an uh, interesting comment slash question a little bit ago. He says, my work van carries my entire family's hopes for food and income. Uh, Riley, you know how this works firsthand. Yes, I, I that used to be me as well. I ran a construction business, had tons of tools and equipment and resources to make a living. And he says, at that point, is it still just belongings? Uh, Andrew Brink also re- responded to that and said, uh, yes. Uh, and I'd, I'd have to say I also agree. Um, again, there, there's often this this idea brought up that, well, this is my livelihood. These tools that I've got thousands of dollars invested in, so, so difficult to replace, especially if you don't have insurance uh, to cover that. I would encourage you to try to have insurance. Um, but... Uh, you know, it's difficult to replace and and you depend upon it to make your living and uh, and your family depends on that living to eat and subsist. But it's a little bit different than like, say, you know, the horse analogy I uh, talked about earlier, uh, the horse thief situation, right? Like where you might be in the middle of nowhere, okay, in the wild, wild west, 
and you're so far from stuff like walking is not really a viable option, right? You're, you're going to die out there if this dude stole your horse. Um, that's different than where we find where most of us find ourselves these days. Uh, because if your tools and stuff got stolen, your work vehicle got stolen and you're going, well, that's my livelihood. How do I now feed and and clothe and, and house my family? Well, the reality is, is actually there, there are options. There is welfare, you know, I mean, there you're, you're, it could be very upsetting to your life. It could really upset things in your life, but it's probably not immediately threatening to your life. And that I would say is the difference. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's hard to tie a direct link to death or serious bodily injury if I can't go to work tomorrow. Right. Like, so, so I'm not trying to downplay that at all because I, I, I know, you know, we have a desire and we have a drive and we have a necessity or an obligation to provide for our families. And I'm not undercutting that at all. I'm just saying, legally speaking, it's hard to draw that line to say, you know, if I don't act and shoot this person for, you know, taking my, my tools, my, family is going to die and it's there's nothing else I can do. Um, and so I think just legally it's a hard argument. Um, but you look at most statutes and there's reference to the threat being imminent. mm -hmm. And while my life could be completely destroyed by, by a theft like that, uh, it's not an imminent threat to my life. So, and you're probably not going to die. You might be homeless and it might suck, but you're probably not going to die because of the nature of the society we live in today. Uh, so anyway, a little bit different. Um, okay. Diane said, and I want to clear this up. I think this is, uh, I, I'm a little hesitant to go so far to say this is a myth, but, but I kind of, that's about what I'm saying here. Diane says, first of all, you need to get a big dog and a beware of dog sign. So, Greg Elifords, I think, actually wrote a really good article about this concept, about the idea that dogs and dog signs on a home uh, keep burglars from breaking in. And while it is true that it keeps some burglars from breaking in, it doesn't keep all. So, uh, and he, I'm pretty sure it was a Greg Elifords article. Uh, if I got this wrong, I apologize, but you guys can probably go see if you can dig that up. But, uh, um, but he, he, he shares, uh, instance instances where, uh, guys were not deterred by that whatsoever, uh, or even went planned, uh, even went with a plan on how to deal with a dog, like having little dog treats and things like that. Uh, so that I would say that it, again, I kind of apply it to like open versus concealed carry. Uh, and I know this sometimes could be a controversial can of worms to open up, but uh, does open carry deter bad guys from you know making you uh, their next victim? I think it does with some, but not all, and in some cases makes you potentially even a target because there was actually just a story like a week ago where a dude was targeted for his gun they took his gun from him because they saw he was carrying a gun. They simply ambushed him at the wrong time for him when he was not able to defend himself adequately and took his gun. So some criminals are deterred by that outward show or by that beware of dog sign, but not all. Okay. Especially, and and honestly, the criminals I'm most concerned about, with regards to being openly carrying uh, my gun uh, are probably the more dangerous ones similar to the ones that are probably not deterred by that beware of dog sign are probably your more skilled and uh, practiced uh, burglars. Yeah. Lots of times, you know, as a cop, criminals will run from you, right? But sometimes they turn and they want to fight and it doesn't matter. You're a cop and you got other cops coming. You got guns, tasers, all kinds of stuff. They still want to fight. So it, you never know what's in, what their motivation is. They're, 
what motivates the criminal mind is is sometimes it's easy to understand and sometimes it's not and you never know who you have and uh what they're willing to do for whatever it is five dollars you know yeah i i i I see both sides and and i think while a dog can certainly deter some and they're cool companions and stuff um they're just one element right it's it's one piece of the puzzle yep Right, right. And I'm not saying that, you know, nobody should get or that people shouldn't get a dog because it doesn't work. No, no, it, 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 it's not a bad, it's not a bad strategy. But this is something I think that also comes out on our home defense course, uh, where I think actually Jacob has a section in there. Where he talks about uh, putting together a home defense plan. And, and the idea here is that there's, there's not, there's very few things that by themselves are adequate as far as a, a defense mechanism uh, with a home. And I would say this is the case even with us personally, uh, with d- protecting or defending ourselves outside of the home, just in general public or whatever. You know, again, talking about kind of the whole like open versus concealed carry, that sort of stuff. Like <clears throat> it, it, it's more comprehensive than that, right? Just like there's a lot of factors that go into whether I'm selected as, as a criminal's next target or not, uh, meaning that what it's my demeanor, the way I handle myself, my body language, what I'm doing, am I paying attention? Uh, am does it look like I'm caring or not? Does it look like I'm weak or not? Does you know, there's all these factors, and it, and it also could be how I'm dressed or what I'm wearing, or I've got a five thousand dollar watch on my wrist, right? Like any of those kind of factors, all added up, either go yes, this is my next dude. I'm gonna I'm gonna take down and shake down and take his stuff, or I don't want to tangle with this guy for X, Y, Z reasons. The home is, is similar. A home defense strategy and plan is is comprehensive. So the dog by itself, you know, it's not going to be enough probably in, a lot, in some contexts. But there's going to be other contexts too where it might be the tipping point where because of, well, I, I made sure that my home looked well defended. I've got video cameras, I've got a fence or I've got a, a you know, really secure looking door with locks. And plus now I've got that beware, you know, like you see what I mean? So it's a comprehensive thing. Uh, so yeah, let's be thinking in, in those terms uh, and making sure we try to address, uh, you know, things as broadly as we can in terms of a plan. Um, all right. So <clears throat> There was one other thing. I I don't know. Matthew, what else you got? Or what other th- thoughts do you want to throw out there? Yeah, I don't want to open up a huge can of worms, but maybe we can just t- uh, touch on um, since a civil unrest or, 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 or those types of things. Um, being in your vehicle and, and, and having you know a crowd or a blocked road or uh, yeah. people mobbing in the streets type thing. Well, that's an interesting one too, because this is a question that comes up sometimes where people say, what if people start like, crowding my car, surrounding my car, not permitting me to proceed, uh, at what point do I go, this is a threat to me and I need to now like run people over? Yeah. Um, I think that it's a really sticky, icky, nasty, terrible situation. Uh, so the first thing to be said, I think, is try to make sure you avoid putting yourself in that situation Uh yeah, like if you if you even think there's something going on, and most of the time this is going to happen in, in a more metropolitan type area, right, where you got a lot more people around. But uh, it's kind of like there was some stuff with with Ferguson, you know, Missouri, mm-hmm. the riots going on there, that people would get kind of entrapped by these crowds of people. It's like, well, there's been stuff going on for like a week, <laughs> you know, so don't. You know, go go way out of your way to try to avoid whatever that part of town is or whatever. Uh, you know, so that you do every, you take all the steps that you can to avoid finding yourself in a situation, uh, if at all possible. Now, that's the first thing, but of course, not a guarantee that it's going to keep you out of that situation for sure. Or maybe you're visiting a, a city that you're not as familiar with, and you make a wrong turn and find yourself in the wrong part of town. Yeah. Uh, so you find yourself maybe in a situation like this. Well, then what? Well, that's a tough one. 
Uh, and I think Andrew uh, had to bail out on us now. He said dinner was ready. So it'd be interesting to get his take on this. But, you know, it's probably about time we get Andrew on the podcast again anyway. And just, just you know, we can hash some things out with him and, and, and uh, glean from his expertise. But, uh, uh, you know, the same standards apply, meaning that if, as I read the law here in Colorado, uh, to use as an example, that when there's an imminent danger, right, when a threat that is imminent to myself or a third party in terms of their life, okay, then you, the use of deadly force is justified. So where does that line get crossed? That is, that's the hardest thing to determine in a situation like this, you know, you know, massive crowd slash riot, and now your vehicle is pinned in. That's the hard thing to figure out. It's not so much, you know, it, once you figure that out, right, where that line is, and you cross that line using deadly force, well, that's that's the easy part, right? But it's understanding where that line is. Yeah. What, it, do, you, it, what do you think? Well, and, and, you, and, you know, we're not just talking about the firearm, right? We're talking about if somebody, if there's a crowd around your car and you drive over people, that's force that's likely to result in death or serious bodily injury. A vehicle is a deadly weapon. Absolutely. Exactly. It's like anytime you you pull a gun out on a person, that's deadly force. Anytime you drive a vehicle (laughs) intentionally towards a person, that's deadly force. Yeah. So we have to to think of all of this, right? And so um, I can't think of the actual doctrine right now, the name of the doctrine, but um, basically what it is, is if you're involved, let's say your, your vehicle is surrounded by a bunch of people, right? There's people in front that are just basically blocking your way of movement. You can't back out. So they're, they're, they're barricading your movement. You can't, you can't escape. You can't move. And let's say somebody at your passenger window starts smashing it with a with a baseball bat or or they're trying to do physical harm that you believe reasonably is going to result in death or serious bodily injury and you can't move you can't do anything and you drive forward or you drive backwards and you end up running over these people now the people standing in front of you may not they're not committing force that's likely to cause death or serious bodily injury by standing in front of your vehicle but because they are part of a larger group that is all actively taking part in a felonious assault on you uh, if that if your use of force is justified as you know it was reasonable because of the person who was at your window it would there then transfer over to those people that are actively engaging in keeping you from movement, right? So they're acting in concert, they're acting yep. together. Um, so so I, I think we have to look at it and say that all the same elements apply, right? It has to be imminent. It has to be unavoidable. Uh, no other force is likely to, to do. Uh, it has to be immediate. It can't be speculative uh, or speculative, you know, something that happens speculatively in the future. Um, and, and I think... It, it, those elements take place now it, that's where the the difficulty is right it's it's a little different different when somebody busts in your room or your it's home. hard it's hard i think the hard thing is it's hard to understand what people's intent is right like is there an like okay so because it could just be this crowd wants to disable your vehicle and torture to the ground but they don't necessarily want to hurt you or at least really really hurt you you know what i mean all the things can get out of hand really fast versus Maybe this crowd really wants to beat the crap out of me and torch my car. Like, it's hard to know what the intent is. Now, I would say a couple of things here. If if you're in that situation, you're looking, you're going, that dude has a weapon, right? We got a, a pipe over here, a baseball bat over there, or a knife, a gun. Uh, that changes things, I think, uh, in a pretty, pretty big way because now we have weapons that we can articulate like – there was four dudes that were armed and they were kicking and beating on my vehicle. Like I, I was, I, I, yeah, I was scared. Right. I, I was really, uh, I felt like they were trying to get into my vehicle to hurt me. Cause they, and, and why do I think that? Because they had weapons. Now, if they didn't have weapons, I think it gets a little bit, you know, not so black and white potentially. Uh, again, are they just meaning to cause problems and uh, disrupt everything and, and just keep me pinned in? Are they, you know, maybe they're kicking my car, but they're not necessarily taking uh, steps to break into that that vehicle space. Uh, you know, it's just there's again, where is that line? Uh, and I think every situation is going to be a little different. 
For me, I would say that uh, if weapons were present, that changes it. And as soon as they start trying to break into the vehicle, that changes it. Because we have a crowd of people, right? Uh, that crowd severely outnumbers me. Uh, physically, I, I that puts me in a great uh, physical danger. And if they if they breach that vehicle, that interior space, then uh, you know that's a problem for me, right? Here's the other thing we want to throw out there: if you do feel that you got to use the vehicle, uh, or that if you do feel like you need to use an elevated f- a level of force, like deadly force, to escape a situation like that then uh, the vehicle, I think, should be your first choice, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, Versus going to, say, a a gun. Uh, Because, again, you you have a crowd. Like a gun, even against a crowd, is not the most effective uh, tool. A vehicle is probably the most effective tool. But the vehicle comes with a shortcoming, and that is that it's entirely possible and perhaps even likely the vehicle, vehicle gets disabled as you are using it as a battering ram, even against human bodies. Okay, so maybe not so much against my truck with my big massive metal grill on it, but <laughs> uh, but even that could be disabled, right? With the with the right sure. uh, context, uh, people or it gets high centered on a yeah. median or something like that. High centered uh, vehicle uh, tires get punctured, uh, you know that sort of thing, and now we can't, you know, so so that you know that would be the ideal to use the vehicle to to make my escape. But then have a backup plan and be ready to go to that uh, if it comes to it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so don't don't give up. Don't give yourself up and don't go. Oh crap! My vehicle's high centered. You know, I'm I'm hosed now. Uh, hopefully, you have other options still at your disposal. Um, okay, so that's really interesting stuff to consider, man. Uh, and in difficult situations for sure. But they are realistic situations that people have found themselves in. I'm actually reminded of, of a pretty compelling video clip that's out there uh, of from the L.A. riots where a truck driver, yeah, uh, you know the one I'm talking about, Reginald Denny, mm-hmm, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, this sort of thing has has happened, right? So we're not making anything up here, obviously. Uh, yeah. So have a plan. Be ready to, to execute that plan, um, you know, when it when it's warranted. And so, again, maybe we'll have to have Andrew on some time and talk about these same things and ask him, you know, his thoughts on. I think I've heard him talk about this sort of thing before, but it'll be good to refresh this uh, topic and, and get his input sure. on these uh, trickier situations. Agree. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, we've been going about an hour, so it's probably about time to wrap it up. Uh, I hope that something that we discussed here this evening is helpful for those of you out there and begins, you know, turning those wheels in that head of yours uh, as far as, you know, looking at your home, looking at your vehicles, looking at yourself personally, uh, both in terms of equipment and tools, uh, perhaps even firearms, uh, but also, you know, the other stuff, the more practical stuff, the stuff that you need on a daily basis that, to, to feed your family, to take care of your family if you got to hunker down for a while. Uh, we could have gone way off into the weeds and talked about, you know, having other uh, other plans in place, you know, other properties or homes that you could escape to, cabins, family members, you know, to get away from. Because I'll tell you where I don't want to be in a when things really get bad is I don't want to be in a city, man. I don't yeah. want to be in a city. I want to be away from where the people are at. Uh, just, you know, all kinds of things. So I guess w- to wrap this up, I'm just saying, think about worst case scenario. You know, really worst case scenario. Plan this out and go. What if this happened? Ask ask the simple questions. What if my power went out and there was no sign of it coming back on anytime soon? What if water somehow was disrupted and no sign of that coming? Uh, back online gas internet communications uh boy maybe we should do a communications episode sometime that'd be a fascinating topic i mean maybe not so much concealed carry focus but you know we've we've always been known to uh uh you know it it, being a, a, a responsible concealed carrier is is meaning that it means that we are well rounded uh and that we are not just prepared in carrying a gun, but we're prepared in a lot of ways, right? So communications, boy, that's that's one right there where that could go down and, and now you can't 
can't call 911, can't call family, can't make contact with uh, other loved ones that maybe are separated from you and your home and you don't know where they are and you don't know how to find them. Wow. You know, so many things to think about here. So that's, I think, where I would leave it. Um, again, these, these times that we're in right now is just a, a great catalyst to ask the questions, ask these simple but yet hard questions as to what do we do and how do we make sure that we are not vulnerable. Amen, brother. Yeah. Guys, those of you watching and uh, being a part of this live, we appreciate you and uh, thanks for being here. And to those of you catching the uh, audio recorded portion of the show, well, thank you to you as well. Guys, don't forget to take advantage of the free home defense conference, all this free content that we're putting out there for six days, three videos a day for six days. Well, make sure you check it out, concealedcarry.com forward slash HDC, Home Defense Conference. And until next time, be safe out there. Take care. Uh, you know, do those, those responsible things uh, to avoid spreading this virus around and uh, to avoid contracting it yourself. Uh, I, I, I sense that the, we're getting through this and, and the time's going to come that, you know, this is behind us here uh I think sooner rather than later, to be honest with you. I'm looking at things, looking at signs. I think we're going to get through this just fine. Uh, but it is an interesting time, and uh, but I just hope everybody out there is doing well. Uh, I know that there's some folks having their jobs, uh, you know, kind of losing jobs, being laid off, being furloughed, uh, things like that being put in jeopardy. Uh, to those of you out there, and the sound of my voice, that, that describes you. I'm sorry, and I hope you're able to get back on your feet and get going again. ASAP and uh, yeah but don't let your personal preparation and training uh, go to go to crap go to pot because uh, you know stay sharp do that dry fire do all that stuff alright so with that a reminder to train right train often and train safe so you can fight hard fight fast and fight true take care a reminder that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.